with me in prayer. Father, I do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I was driving around last week and I saw one of those small wire signs that uh, people use to uh, place advertisements uh, at the intersections or at the bottom of the, the stop signs. And this particular sign was an Easter sign. On, it, it, on the sign it said, Easter, this changes everything, with a great big exclamation point. I did not see the name of the church on the sign. I wish I had because I would like to have given them credit. Um, it sent, that little message on the, the sign sent my mind racing. Uh, In fact, that little message is the central theme of my sermon this morning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a central doctrine of the Christian faith. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the whole of of Christianity uh, collapses like an unstable house of cards. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ... Christianity loses its credibility. Nothing is left of Christianity if the resurrection of Christ did not happen. Because uh, Christianity is considered a religious faith, it's often overlooked that Christianity is rooted in historical events that actually happened. Look at verses 3 and 4. Look at the things that are described in verse 3. They are said to be of first importance. In other words, these things are very important to the Christian life. Christ died. It's a very important event. It is an historical event. Secondly, uh, Christ was buried. Again, a historical event. Christ was raised from the dead on the third day. Likewise, a historical event. There's been a powerful movement that has lasted for two solid centuries, beginning in in the early 1800s. And the purpose of this movement has been to separate Christianity from its historical roots. The, The movement has tried to push Christianity out of the realm of time and space and to push it exclusively into the realm of faith only. It began in Germany with uh, Friedrich Schleiermacher. He argued that God could only be experienced through the feelings, through emotions, and not through reason. Therefore, he earnestly tried to divorce Christianity from its historical roots. And those liberal theologians that followed Schleiermacher, Rischel, Harnack, Kierkegaard, Schweitzer, Brunner, Barth, Bultmann, Moltmann, Tillich, among many others. These theologians were very influential. But for them, it makes no difference if Christianity is severed from its historical roots. As long as you have religiously good intentions, Christianity has been a benefit to you, even if there's nothing historically true about it in their theology. 
even though most people have never heard their names. Most Americans have been unknowingly influenced um, by these theological liberals. Because today, most Americans believe a version of the gospel that is most that is much closer to their false gospel uh, than the gospel taught in the scriptures. For those liberal theologians, as long as your Christian faith helps you cope with life, cope with the problems in your life, it doesn't matter if the historical facts of the gospel have any basis in historical fact. But the Christian faith is rooted in historical fact. That's why living, breathing witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ were so very important. Look at verses 5 through 8. The Apostle Paul says uh, that he he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Listen to that phrase again uh, in verse 6. It says, He appeared to more than 500 at one time, most of whom are still alive. When the Apostle Paul wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians, it was about 25, a little over 25 years since Jesus had died and rose from the grave. And so most of those who had witnessed uh, the, the resurrected Lord had seen them with their own eyes, were still alive. In other words, Paul's saying, if you don't believe me as I testify to the resurrection, go back to Palestine and you can ask those people for yourself. This is a large number of eyewitnesses. Someone has said that if you called these 500 witnesses to testify in a courtroom trial and only allowed them six minutes each uh, for their testimony, you'd have over 50 hours of first-hand eyewitness testimony verifying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Additionally, Paul said that Jesus appeared to all the apostles after his resurrection including Cephas, which is another way of saying Peter. He also appeared to James, the Lord's brother, and he appeared to Paul, the author of 1 Corinthians. Interestingly enough, nearly all the apostles, including Peter and James and Paul, were martyred for their faith. If they were simply lying about the resurrected Jesus, if they were simply lying about the fact that they had seen him, would they have been willing to die such violent deaths? I think not. Paul still driving home the, the fact of the or driving home the historical fact of the resurrection. Uh, he wanted his readers to consider the ramifications of what if Jesus did not rise from the dead? What, are the, what would be the upshot? What would be the ramifications if Jesus did not rise from the dead? And so in verses 14 and 15, 
Uh, Paul says, in effect, that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then the Bible is not true. He said his preaching was nonsense. Therefore, my preaching this morning is nonsense if Jesus did not rise from the dead. And he said, and therefore, your faith is worthless. Look at verses 14 and 15. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. In other words, if Jesus did not... um, did not physically rise from the dead, what are you doing here this morning? What am I doing here this morning? What would anyone expect to gain by listening to a preacher drone on and on about something that is a lie and a complete falsehood? Paul's point is that if the resurrection did not happen, then Christianity is a complete fabrication. Christianity has shaped Western culture. Christianity has civilized the world by its insistence on love for neighbor and care for one's enemies. Christianity has provided the moral framework upon which our society has become more just and more fair. It is only as our society has turned its back on Judeo-Christian ethics Uh, has our society become less civil and less just. But if the resurrection of Christ did not happen, then Western culture has been built on a fanciful foundation. Paul did not leave the issue there. He continued to push down on the ramifications of an existence, of a world without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 17, he says that if Christ did not rise from the dead, then there is no forgiveness of sins. So look again at the Scriptures, verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Everyone who has ever lived past two years of of age has lived with regrets Because we know that we have done things that we should not have done. There are many people who live their lives weighed down with the shame and with the guilt of the things that they have done in their life that they know they should not have done. For them, life has very little happiness, very little zest because of the remorse and regret that they carry around with them. What if there were no forgiveness of sins? Where would they go to find relief? Related to this, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then there is no real ultimate sense of justice. What about the people who were unjust in this life and died without getting caught? Would there be any justice for those who are treated unjustly by them? Let's cut to the chase. 
If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then there is no life after death. Look at verse 18. Paul says, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished if Christ did not rise from the dead. There is no life after death. Then all who have died before us have perished. They no longer exist. They were here for a moment, and then they are gone. What is this life if we only live a few years and then we pass into a meaningless non-existence? A little later on in this chapter, in verse 32, Paul says that if Christ is not raised, then the best existence that we can hope for is to have a beer commercial type of life. He says in verse 32, If the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. So we get home from work. Our spouse asks us if we had a good day. And the best we're able to say is, Another Corona got its lime. Another beer got its fruit. You know? Sad, pointless existence. If Christ did not rise from the dead. If Christ has not been raised, then there's no communication from God to humanity. If Christ has not been raised, then life has no discernible purpose. If Christ has not been raised, then Darwinian ethics rule the day. Survival of the fittest. Might makes right. Life becomes very inhuman because it is only about getting all you can grab now before you die. What an empty existence. The party life, the self-centered life, those things are the purposeless life. If that is all there is to life, then woe to us. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, Paul says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul is saying that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then Christians are to be most pitied because we're not in touch with reality. Our reality is Christ died and, and was raised from the dead. If Christ hasn't been raised... We're not in touch with reality. We are living a life based on fantasy. We are squandering our lives on a falsehood. But of course, the Lord Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Verse 20, Paul says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. The resurrection of Christ is not just a statement of religious dogma. It is a historical reality. If you had been there, you would have seen an empty tomb. If you would have been there, you could have met the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So let's bring us back to that little wire wire sign I saw last week as I was driving around Brandon. Easter changes everything. Because Christ has been raised from the dead, it changes everything. 
It changes everything for everyone. It changes everything for everyone here this morning. It changes everything for everyone who is not here this morning. It changes everything for everyone who believes. It changes everything for everyone who does not believe. If Christ has not been raised, then our, Christi- our Christianity cannot be pushed over into some corner of irrelevancy in our life. And here's why. Because Christ has been raised, it means that Jesus Christ is the Lord. His resurrection confirms His identity as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. According to verse 25, Christ is reigning over all creation. That means He is reigning over you. That means He is reigning over your family. That means He is reigning over your priorities. That means He is reigning over your heart and your desires. Have you submitted to Him? Because He is the Lord. He's bringing all His enemies under His feet as He protects all His people. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. It says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. None of us in this room ever see each other again here in this life. We will all be together in front of the great judgment seat of Christ. The goats on Christ's left, the sheep on His right. Because Christ has been raised, it also means that Christ is the Savior. Because Christ has conquered death, He is able to impart life. He came here to earth expressly to die on the cross for sinners like you and like me. His death and His consequent resurrection was not a surprise to Jesus. That's why He came here to earth. He came to atone for our sins. He came to ransom our souls for God. He came to save sinners from the consequences of their sins. Because Christ has been raised. Thirdly and lastly, it means His call to salvation is compelling. He hasn't been raised. And the Bible says, come to Him that you might be saved. Why come? But if He has been raised, if He is the Lord, if He is the Savior, then His call is compelling. If He rose from the dead, it means I must listen to Him. It means I must listen to Him without delay. It means that nothing in life is more important than Him. Will you turn to Him now? Will you submit yourself to Christ and entrust yourself to Him? If Christ has not been raised from the dead, it changes nothing. But if Christ has been raised from the dead, and indeed He has, it changes everything. Let's pray together.
Lord Jesus, our resurrected Lord and Savior, we submit to you now. We believe your call to salvation. We believe uh, your um, your death in our behalf and uh, your resurrection um, for our justification. Lord, I pray that there, if there be any here who do not know the Lord Jesus, that his call on their life would indeed be compelling at this moment. Lord, that none would leave here without knowing the Lord Jesus. And Lord, for those um, Christians who struggle, and we all struggle in our faith, I pray that this message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ would fortify our souls, would steal our obedience, and would uh, help us to live lives that bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. We ask in His name. Amen. If you would, please take your bulletin. In your bulletin, you'll find the words to our closing hymn this morning, In Christ Alone. So if you would take that, please, and stand. Let's sing together. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. Fiercest shroud and sore. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh. Fullness of God in helpless pain, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. In the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ.